evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and after five consecutive weeks at the top of the AFL ladder, the Ds have been unceremoniously dumped and currently sit in second place. However, depending on how the results fall this week, including our own match, we could sit as low as fifth by round's end. Easy come, easy go. Joining me tonight is long-time Demon Lander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, listeners. Uh, And this week we're going to work out what's wrong with the uh, Melbourne Football Club and hopefully uh, Andy's MFCSS as well. It's going to take a lot of a uh, lot of curing to to uh, to cure that. You're going to need uh, a, a prescription. <laughs> uh, well, I've got I've got the prescription. I found the cause at last after a lot of research. <laughs> also joining us uh, tonight, uh, uh, also a long time Demon Lander as well. I should give him that credit too. Be man, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Andy. Good evening, George. Good evening, Demon Landers. And Sydney have had their COVID outbreak and. Uh, down here in uh, in Melbourne town, we've had our MFCSS outbreak, uh, our mid-season outbreak. It's sort of, um, it's sort of. I remember even uh, in the sort of late '80s, early '90s, uh, when we were playing well, playing finals quite regularly. There would always be that we we always seem to have so, like a mid-season slump, and uh, this might be our mid-season slump. Uh, and hopefully we can uh, get out of it quickly and, uh, you know, barrel forward into the finals. But um, tonight I'll, I'll probably only – I'll be taking a bit of a backseat and, and moderating the show because, full disclosure, in, in a very rare occurrence, I was not able to watch this week's match due to an unavoidable scheduling of a flight back from a holiday that I was not involved in the booking of. Uh, the flight was organised months ago as part of the family uh, a trip, and, and an extended family trip, and uh, as the AFL fixture uh, is being doled out on a week-to-week basis at the moment, there was simply no way I, I, I or anyone else uh, could have foreseen the scheduling clash. Uh, the, the match actually spanned the entirety of my flight, and despite B-Man, you imploring me to watch the replay blind, I have neither the maturity nor the self-control to not peek at the scores, and I was so deflated by the result once upon landing that I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I've seen a couple of highlights here and there. Um, I, I believe this is only about the only second time in over two decades or more going back to my own footy playing days that I haven't seen us play live um, and I'm not proud of that and I wasn't going to front up tonight but the boys implored me to do so and so here we are. Hopefully the positivity of these guys um, can see me through the show and provide me some solace that this isn't the beginning of the end of the D train juggernaut. Um, boys, uh, is there anything positive that you can you can tell me, help me get me out of this funk? I've got one positive for you, Andy. I'm very glad you didn't take my advice and watch that game game um, as live. Your trip back from Queensland, you you get through the COVID fug at the airport, and uh, you know you, you get you, you you get back home and you put your KO on, and then you you watch Melbourne struggle for the first half as if we didn't turn up. Not really put in much more of a huge effort in the third quarter, and then finally arrive. Um, as if uh, you know we were playing a three o'clock game for the last quarter and and not be able to get it done. So uh, I'm pleased that you didn't take my advice on this particular one. Um, well, are we in? We're talking about the mid-season slump. Are we in a mid-season slump? If you look at uh, the last few weeks, you go back to to the 
Adelaide game. Uh, we then came back and we we um, we had some great wins against some quality opposition. You know, we've lost to Collingwood, another bottom team. We've now lost. We had that win against Essendon. You know, it wasn't the most convincing of wins. Um, and then we've had this loss this week. Is this a slump or is it something different? Can we get out of it? Uh, George, I might start with you. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the mid-season slump is across all the clubs at the moment. Um uh, there was an article in The Age, I think it was today, talking about uh, uh, how most clubs are kicking a lot less goals in the game compared to the start of the season. Um, we're down, on average, uh, two goals a game. And for a team that's uh, only winning goal, winning games by a couple of goals, in any case, that's a critical um, change in the outcomes for us. So we're starting to see uh, cl- games being a lot closer. We're starting to see also um, with other clubs uh, some really strange outcomes during the match. Um, I watched the, the Collingwood Saints game. Collingwood hadn't scored. I think they scored one goal in a half. Um, Port Adelaide Hawthorne was a remarkable game. Uh, Hawthorne kicked the first goal and then Port kicked the next nine and then Hawthorne kicked the next five. You know, that um, what, we're, what we're seeing is, is this inconsistency, um, be it caused by the length of the season or post by Blues, whatever it might be called, but Team, teams and individual players just aren't playing their best at the moment. Um, so hopefully um, we've we've had our couple of um, marginal types of games and, and we can come out of it a lot uh, a lot better. Um, certainly it's all up to us this week. Um, we're being challenged now for our position on the ladder as a result of the loss. Um, so it's all before us once again. Um, we shouldn't be depending, as, as the club has learnt in the last couple of years, not to depend on other clubs dropping games to keep us where we are. It's quite simple this week. We we win against Port, we stay where we are. Um, and it needs to continue that way. So it's up to the players on the field now to, um, to use the old term, pull the finger out. There's um, been some interesting discussion on Demon Land about the question of whether um, uh, we're doing extra training loads at the moment. Um, and I know that I didn't actually see it, but I read that Goody denied that or, or he was asked directly about training loads and he said um, he he was, we weren't. But frankly, I don't believe him. I, I, the more I think about it, the more I think that we're, um, that there's every chance that we're putting in extra training loads at the moment because um, we look like we're playing tired. We're, you know, the, the game on the weekend, for me, one of the defining things about it was that we just, we seem to have lost our overlap run and we weren't, um, running from, you know, we weren't creating any handball overlap and moving from the back half at all. Um, partly that was, I thought the um, Giants played a good game of footy, was well coached, but we're, we're definitely looking fatigued. Now, you know, I don't know what the reason for that is. Um, I'm guessing it might be those extra training loads. I think that there's been, George, you've made a, um, um, some really interesting points about our um, time on ground percentages and a lot of those younger players, they seem to have deliberately sort of got them through the season with, you know, 50 60% game time and um, the senior players up are in the 90-plus to sort of offset that. Um, 
So, you know, we've got a lot of young players. So any young players are going to struggle, um, you know, deep into this season. This is the time they, they historically, um, young players start struggling. Um, but, you know, if you add extra loads on top of that, even with 50%, 60% game time, um, both the senior players who are having to carry that extra load and the younger players are going to feel it. Um, and, you know, I just think that our, our game plan is so physically taxing, as we've talked about often, is that when that drops away for whatever reason, whether it's because we're doing extra loads or that we're just fatigued generally and struggling at this point of the season, you know, we really come back to the um, competition and, uh, um, you know, we'll talk about it a bit later, but, um, you know, for me it really exposes our weakness and, you know, the Achilles heel that I think we have is our poor kicking and, um, um, and you know, particularly our forward entries, but, you know, shots for goal came back to haunt us again. Um, you know, the, the clubs like the Cats and the Dogs and the, um, um, uh, you know, even the Lions, probably the Cats and the Dogs more so, they've got such great kicks in the team that when they do drop off and their intensity drops off, like all teams do, this is the period of time when it becomes a really hard thing to get through the season you've got you know I watched the dogs north game and that was they were just paddling um you know they're never going to lose that game the dogs but they you know they never could quite get away from them um but whenever they needed it McRae hit a target Bond hit a target I forget that young fella off the half back line is it Bailey Bailey Smith is it no no Bailey um, Dale Bailey, Bailey Dale yeah it's just a beautiful kick of the footy and they just those players do enough to, to keep them moving in the first quarter um, of the Geelong-Essendon game. Geelong were all at sea. You know, they had just not brought their intensity and Essendon had and they could easily have, um, that game could have been over at quarter time, but they were kept in it through Smith um, um, kicked a, a beautiful pass and I think it was Cameron kicked a, maybe it was the end of the first quarter, he kicked it from the boundary line, one step banana or around the corner from the boundary line and, you know, they they just, Hawkins threaded a goal, um, you know, they they're, Best players stood up when needed, but you know that, and then they they weren't out of that game. And Melbourne really get hurt. Um, so I, I just think we're fatigued at the moment, um, and and I, I really reckon there's a good chance that they're putting loads in now because you know now's not the time to be cherry ripe. They want to be cherry ripe and fully fit um, come finals time. And really beyond this point of the season, there is no further opportunity to put training loads into the players. You will yeah. cut. Go Sorry, ahead. Andy. No, you go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to totally agree. If you were the coach um, coming into the bye, you've all, you've almost got a three-week period uh, over that bye from when you last play your game. You have the bye in the middle, and then your next game is a further week away. Not, and I think we had a 10-day break, in fact, to the uh, to the next round. But, um, yeah, if you're a coach, you you would definitely use that opportunity to um, to get, a, get that extra load into the players because you're not going to before the end of the season. Um, you, as... Man just said, you need them cherry ripe at the end of the season. This is the last opportunity. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think um, uh, Mr. Goodwin has been totally uh, honest with us uh, on his interviews. No, and it's a bit of Ockham's razor in the sense that, um, you know, the they're looking fatigued. This is three, four weeks in a row where we're, we're comparatively, we're not running out um, uh, games the way we were. You know, in the first six weeks, we were running on top of the ground and we were clearly fitter than the opposition. Now, we're not um, so, sure, you know, everyone levels out a bit, but we you can't have such a strong base of fitness and it fall away. I mean, so it's either they've 
struggling with their fitness, which is given where we are with injuries, that seems not that likely, or um, they're, they're doing extra training loads or, or there's something else going on. But it, it, I, I don't think it's mental. Um, it, they look exhausted. But in all the last three, four games, they've looked exhausted um, and haven't been able to pull away or, you know, they, they struggled to, to even lift in this quarter against the Giants. And that was really evident on the... Um, yeah, going to the game, it was great to get to a game. Um, and so I had binoculars on the players quite a bit during the breaks and at different times, and they looked stuffed where they weren't in the first six or seven weeks of the season. So, yeah. you know, I mean, what what are the explanations for that? It could be the season. It could be the fact that they are struggling physically um, and they've come back to the, the field in terms of the, um, you know, the fitness advantage that, they, that Burgess had given them. But, you know, you don't lose that overnight. So... Um, yeah, and I mean, and I think it. Um, I've heard that this is not uncommon for Burgess. He did. He did a similar. Uh, he was known for doing it at Port, and he's apparently also known for lo- using loading at uh, Liverpool. So you know, and I mean, I guess that the, the danger is people thinking, "Oh well, that's that's an excuse." What sort of excuse is that? I, I, it's not really an excuse. It's more looking for a reason rather than uh, an excuse. Yeah, and when when a game's decided by nine points, um, it, it's very little um, uh, between the two t- between the two teams. And we had uh, come back uh, to within ten points halfway through the third quarter, and basically we we stopped dead from that point on. Uh, yeah. In the first half of the season, that was our springboard to um, uh, put the opposition away, and this time we couldn't. And more telling for me was the ease at which uh, GWS scored their goals in that last quarter and a half, there wasn't the same pressure that was there. And I think the man's exactly right. You take that pressure away, um, kicks aren't uh, delivered as efficiently as they should have been, and the opposition get those small opportunities. And and GWS's side is loaded with players of high talent. They don't need much opportunity, but we couldn't peg back a 10-point margin uh, from halfway through that third quarter. Yeah, and, and uh, um, George, in your review of the game that uh, on Demonland, it was an excellent review, and you made a really good point, um, you know, about about our inability, you know, about their um, the clearances um, being, you know, obviously they weren't great. I think it was, what, 10-6 or 12-6 for centre clearances. Mm. But as you pointed out, the key issue was, I mean, that number's not great, but the key issue is what they did with them. Yeah. Um, and they were really damaging from the clearances. And again, it goes to the fatigue because, you know, when that defensive running and our intensity drops off or every part of our game drops off. I mean, I thought we did remarkably well to keep them to the score that they um, got because, you know, if you're not putting pressure on a player of the calibre of, um, what's his name, is uh, the uh, left footer. Um, uh, Kelly? Kelly. If you're not putting pressure on a um, player of his kicking ability um, when he's releasing the ball, well, that he's going to carve you up. And that's what he did. He had, you yeah. know, 35 plus possessions, but the you know the problem you know previous week was Parish well he or, and Merritt they weren't hurting us the way Kelly did, um, and a big part of that and same with Whitfield was you know you weren't we weren't putting enough pressure on them and so not only were you know we we eventually did bring a player up in the second half to the contest um, because we were getting smashed around the contest um, and we were allowing those outside players to get unpressured kicks and that was part of the reason we got cut up we just couldn't stop them but for me that's a fatigue thing 
because, you know, as we talked about, our model is that we have a player behind the ball, the extra behind the ball, back our mids to win those contests. Well, we weren't, and you, you stop losing them um, when you're tired. And the other, the, the reason I brought up the kicking is because nothing exacerbates poor technique in um, footy in kicking, same for golf, uh, like fatigue. Um, and so a player like Track, who I reckon has got a terrible kicking technique, um, you know, he, he was horrible. His inside 50s were horrible. I heard a stat on um, on the first crack, something like he's 47th in the league or something for inside 50, hitting targets inside 50. He's only hit 11 all season. Um, and he's like top five or something in the number of inside 50s he's, he's kicked. Um, uh, and, you know, he was – he just missed – they're as deflating as the missed shots, like, um, but you know, obviously, the missed shots are more obvious. So, you know, the more tired they get, the more, um, you know, those mistakes become apparent, the less they can spread. Um, yeah, so I, I think whatever the reason is for it, they looked fatigued. Um, and you know, the, the, they've been playing that way for the last three weeks, I reckon. Before I just ask you a question about the fatigue, uh, just on Petrarca and the kicking. I don't believe you can fix that. That that can't be fixed now. Um, these it can players be improved, can't it? Though? I like think that, yeah, I don't I know. Agree. I don't know. I, I don't even know if it can be improved. I think these guys have their style, what they've learned to, at the junior level, and I don't know if you can improve it in the heat of a game. You can maybe improve your set shot kicking for goal, uh, which we're clearly not trying to do because still players are missing easy shots at goal. And I believe it was the same this week. Um, but in the game, in the heat of a game, I don't know if you can you can change someone's style that much. Well, Langdon's improved, and there's but I reckon um, Jones has improved over his career. But as a general, I agree. The difference between Langdon and Petrarca is Petrarca has so many good looks. So he gets the ball in dangerous spots in the centre. And, you know, he, you know, if he's kicking inside 50 and he missed three on the weekend that were just completely deflating and one in the last quarter where I forget who he was kicking to, might have even been gone, um, just missed him, you know, and he, he, he missed harms. Um, and so, you know, someone like Langdon, I think he's improved because he's making better decisions um, and he, he's now kicking within his limitations. Petrarca is never really going to, Kick within his limitations, is he? He's like he's always going to be going for it, and it looks great when it comes off. Mm. Um, his best kicks, I reckon, are those fifty metre ones where he kicks into space. He seems to be able to hit them. It's the low drilling ones that yeah. he's got a thing. But he often right. miss, miss kicks them as well sometimes. Yeah, I mean his ball drops are sh- shocking. He's got a you know comparing him to say Bontempelli, they're worlds apart in terms of technique. Uh, in terms of um, uh, the fatigue issue. Uh, B-Man, you were, um, you were begging them to, to around the bye to, to start resting players. It was a good time to do it, and um, we didn't. We've basically kept uh, uh, the same team in the whole time, barring uh, uh, you know some injuries here or there. Um, we haven't had many changes. We haven't rested any of the younger players or, or even given some of the, the top-tier midfielders a break. Is this going to come and bite us in the bum now? Um, can we still do it now? Um, yeah, we might be able to rest some of the uh, younger players, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they've caught. I don't think you can now because this is the point yeah. of season where you really need to, as much as possible, settle on your best twenty-two, and then your changes are you know a result of 
injury or tinkering or um, but the one that comes jumps to mind of the missed opportunities picket um, he he was really horrible on the weekend um, his pressure was non-existent what do you end up with George four disposals four disposals um, and he looked a bit he you know he two players he, he, he dropped away and the other one is harms and when I mean, harms you know, he's he's sort of a halfway player and if he hasn't got a job, he seems to try too much. And so is Pickett sometimes where it's like, you know, just do the basics now. This is time to go back to the basics and do them. But, um, yeah, he looks like he could have well done with a rest at that mid-season stage. And I don't know whether, you know, you take him out now, you risk sort of, defl- you know, knocking his confidence. And if he needs a rest, then they, they should rest him. But... You know, the, the the other problem for the club, if I'm right and they have done the loading, is that they would not have wanted um, this five-day game. This was the last mm. thing that they mm. would have wanted because even with Ben Brown, their thinking, I'm sure, was to, you know, as I said last week, to give him one more week, give him a good run in the VFL and bring him back for Port. Well, their thinking would have been bringing him back to Port on a Friday night game. You know, it, it's ridiculous that we've got a five-day break. And so I think that's probably thrown them... Uh, and so someone like Pickett, you know, now he's got to come up after five days. Same with Jordan. He looks like he's tired as well. So, But Pickett could get dropped, I mean, just based on his performance. Forget whether you need, you want to rest him or not. Um, does the, he deserve to be in the team after the last few weeks? The the difficulty we face with all of these selections, who, who have, we'll get to the, that a bit later on, is the fact that uh, Casey, for the players who played at Casey, they're only coming off four days effectively um, so who do you who do you bring in uh, to replace a picket is um, is a, a half cooked picket as good as someone who's fully cooked after <laughs> four days um, it's hard to tell but bin man's right I don't think in, in the original planning uh, we we would have been a Friday or a Saturday game perhaps against port and now we were on Thursday so it's completely thrown it out and from what I understand you know that uh, They've rested another, uh, three players who were at the Casey game, Brown being one of them, uh, in anticipation of, of having players available for this um, this Thursday night. So, um, yeah, we've we've painted ourselves into a corner, or the AFL's managed to paint us paint us into a corner as well. Um, but we do have to. I, th- I think we've seriously got to look at some of these younger players about when's the now the most opportune time, just as equally. Um, if we lose to Port this week, we don't want to be start resting against teams like Hawthorne the following week after, because both games are still worth four points. Um, it's it's no use um, resting players thinking that Hawthorne aren't going to bring their best, because they certainly took it up uh, to Port last week in um, and Port uh, got out to a good break in, um, in the first half, but they they stopped completely. Hawthorne kept on going. Um, so we've got to be very careful that we don't do the same thing. We don't take too many players out who can provide something to us. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the you know it goes back a little bit to the sort of discussion of the fatigue because our strength is our system. Defensively, it's working well. We've got a you know probably the best back six in the AFL. Um, so teams will continue to struggle with us. But you know, I, I just think that. Um, our quality-wise in terms of our kicking means that, you know, we, any team, if we don't bring that intensity, is a good chance of beating us if, if they match it. And, the, um, you know, the 
certainly the Hawks are up and about in terms of their ability to put that sort of pressure on when they you know they they've shown that. Um, so you know, and you know, I think that any game's a danger game. So now's not the time to be sort of re- resting players, um, unless of course they genuinely need it. But you know, it's a good question, Andy, is whether you know Pickett deserves to keep his spot because four possessions. You know, if it was Sam Wiedemann, we'd be jumping up and down. Um, and he's had really it's his four weeks in a row where he's been quiet. Yeah, I think I think they had him off the ground in in all of the last quarter. I'm, he might have only been you know very, on for a, a very short period of time, but the majority of the quarter, I'm pretty sure he was off the ground. So maybe he's had had a rest this week. Yeah, and that was funny because that's why I couldn't work out. Uh, it took me a little while to work out at the game why the, uh, Hunt was up forward. But yeah, it was because he was essentially replacing Pickett, wasn't he? Yeah, basically it was. Yeah, and there were no injury report that all well, that didn't seem to be. He wasn't injured at all. So no, that was a, no. although although he did have bandaging on both legs, and I, I couldn't see whether it was his wrists or whether uh, whether they were just wrist guards um, or sweatbands, but. He had he had a bandage on each and every limb. Yeah. Sorry, I had myself on mute. Um, uh, talk about not taking any games lightly, uh, especially uh, considering uh, we do follow the D's and our losses this year have come to all, but pretty much all bottom eight teams. Uh, obviously, now GWS are back in the the eight, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be taking Hawthorne. Um, or Gold Coast the week after, lightly. Um, Zoom Gold Coast, uh, what they did to, to Richmond. Um, yeah, I think we'll be safe with Gold Coast. We're <laughs> sending them up to Ballarat this week. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that. so if, if Ballarat isn't freezing at this time of year, they won't know what hit them. <laughs> I just wish we were probably playing the Eagles this week, get them while they're down. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. A, I mean, that's... You speak about the Eagles, Andy, and like obviously, you know, we'll talk about. We'll be interested to hear about George's cure for MFCSS, and it's a it's a real thing. It's a real condition, and um, you know, it's a bit like chronic fatigue. All those years ago, people, yeah, it's all in the mind. <laughs> but you know, we all know it's real. But you know, Melbourne's average losing margin is nine points. Compare that to the Eagles. I mean, I watched that game. Um, they just were woeful. They like they were never in that game right from the beginning. If that was a, if that was a demon performance against the Sydney Swans, Demon Lamb would have melted down. Like there would have been. It was as horrible. It was worse than their um, previous game they played down there when they got beaten by what hundred points or something by Geelong yeah. earlier yeah. in the season. Yes, it it reeked of a team that had no interest in playing that game. Like early, right from the beginning, and so you know, I think that. Uh, a bit of, you know, a, a bit of balance in terms of sort of judging where Melbourne's at. It's easy to sort of panic, I think. Um, you know, I, we're not going as badly as West Coast, that's for sure. Uh, and it was, it was interesting even in that game, though, wasn't it, that I think Andrew Gaff wasn't playing and he's probably their biggest uh, pressure player. And when that pressure disappeared, the same as in our game, the rest of the side looked very, very ordinary, and it's not a one-man band by any any stretch of the imagination. But they also looked very flat. You know, people like they Nat, did, N- yeah. Nat Nui did absolutely nothing in yeah. the middle. Uh, the most um, overrated player in the league, I reckon. Yeah, I'd have to agree with with that. But 
when you've got two of their mids um, and they're really critical mids in, in terms of controlling the game, um, not putting in or not being able to put in, um, it really affected the whole side. And I, I noted the commentators afterwards were saying, you know, is this the end of the Eagles? We've seen Hawthorne fall off a cliff. We've been talking about Geelong doing the same in years to come, uh, but has, have the Eagles fallen off the cliff suddenly as well? So it'd be an interesting question over the next couple of weeks that needs to be answered. Well, the 10 of their, on that first crack again, I was just watching before, there's 10 or 11 of their best 22 or 29 plus. So, you know, um, and it sort of showed, I guess, you know, so that, I think it's good to put that in balance. In terms of pressure, um, I read on Demon Land that, because um, I was at the game, but I think this was on the coverage of the um, thing, which I haven't watched on replay yet, um, is um, our pressure was as lowest at, at half time as it had been all season. I think that's right. And um, uh, Giants was up north of 200 now. And again, I'm not quite sure what all the, the numbers indicate, except for 200 plus is excellent. Um, and, you know, I think our pressure was just sort of middling, poor to middling until really the beginning of the last quarter. Um, and, you know, the Giants are a good footy team. Uh, you know, like I said um, in last week when we were talking about the sort of a meat and potatoes team, but, you know, they've also got the quality players. Like, I mean, Whitfield and Kelly, it's quite, you know, I think it's remarkable really that Harms didn't go to one of them to try and sort of um, nullify them because, you know, they were really hurting us in the, uh, both with their quality. Um, well, let's talk team selection uh, in particular for, for this, that uh, last week. Um, we chose not to go with Ben Brown. Um, you said that uh, they might have wanted to see how he goes for another week, uh, but was it a mistake not to play um, to play him this week? Um I might ask, did we know we were going to be playing on Thursday uh, off the five-day break and the four-day break from um, that when we picked the team? I don't think we did. No. They didn't announce it to the next day. Yeah, I I think you're correct there. So Maybe the club might have got an indicator, but I don't think so. Um, And, you know, they... He only had three possessions or something, but from what I understand, barely played a minute after half time or none. I don't think he played anything. Same with Milksham, yeah. played sort of minimal time. So that might be a bit of a tell. Well, they would have known did. at that time when they were playing. They knew. Um, they, they knew then, but, then, not, but not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's a bit hard to say. Like it's, uh, I, I think they weren't want to. They weren't wanting to see how he went as much as get another week of training into him and. Um, you know, of course, get a good game of footy into him if you can. Um, so it was a real pity that obviously that part of the plan wasn't there. But, um, you know, I, I said last week, I, I, my thought was the plan was to um, give him a, um, give him that chance to sort of get it, everything right and come in for the port game and stay in for the rest of the season. Um, so I, I think he'll come in. Was it a mistake not playing him last week? It's a bit... You know, I think that's an easy thing to say would have been good. So often it was, you know, you could basically hear at the ground people sort of, you know, the ball would come in and you could hear them thinking almost, where's the full forward? It's a pity we don't have a you know, Coleman medalist. Oh, right, that's right. We do have a Coleman medalist. He's in the he's in the Magoos. But, um, you know, I think our pressure was so poor that, 
you know, another player who isn't great forward pressure may not have helped much either. But, you know, in hindsight, it would have been good to have him in the team. And, um, you know, it's particularly how high up the ground um, Tom McDonald was playing. So, you know, Tom McDonald was marking it on the wing and turning it around. And if he had himself to kick to, we might have kicked a winning score. But, you know, he was putting it on top of Fritchard's head, who was getting scratched. He was... I was actually had a fairly good spot, but um, down on the half forward flank at the punt road end, and he was getting smashed in the contest, Fritch, like just completely smashed. Um, you know, but he's not a six foot four, six foot five forward, is he? No, it, it's. Um, I think it was painfully obvious that we needed that extra target up forward because, um, uh, firstly, I think there's two things that, that were wrong: the um, Jackson Gorn moving forward plan I think has been an abject failure um, neither neither uh, took a mark up forward uh, and neither scored again this week in the Essendon game the previous week we had similar problems uh, I think I alluded to a number of times I saw Langdon and Brayshaw bringing the ball down the wing and they're looking for someone to kick to but all we've got uh, a series of six foot six foot one type players in the forward line uh, the the very least Ben Brown is going to bring is he's 200 centimetres. He's a target up there. Uh, we won't have people like Phil Davis sitting back and yeah. and, and taking marks unattended, which is what, what happened. Now, um, that's the sort of defensive structure we won't run as well, but Davis was just having an absolute ball out there. If it came in and he, he was attending to, to Fritch or... or um, or Spargo, or ANB, or um, Sparrow. Um, it was an easy take for him each and every time. Um, we were just missing that extra big target down there. And I, I talked about um, in my report at one stage, I think it was Sparrow had the ball on the wing. He was coming down. We're in the open. The only person inside the 50 was Max, who was about the 50-metre mark, and he was trying to run back towards the goal. Um, he's not a full forward. He's yeah, he's not is. a le- he's not a leading target. Um, so having having the big lumbering ruckman in there, even having Jackson in there, they're, they're, they're doubling up. We're just robbing Peter to pay Paul. We just need that extra target. And Bin Man's right. If we had a second Tom McDonald, it would have been fine. Tom was, I think, took ten marks outside the fifty, yeah. um, and nothing inside because he wasn't there. Um, we just need something else there to just to create the target. And if if they mark it, if a, a Brown or a Weedman, it doesn't matter who it is, is there and takes a mark, that's a bonus. But we didn't have anyone to even bring the ball to ground um, in the in this game, and, and it's not surprising that people like Pickett and Spargo also had no effect. Fritch's Fritch's great work was done all of off his marking ability, and uh, thank goodness he was there. So that's um, a, a selection mistake there. Thank you yeah, for answering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and funnily enough, um, because you know it was really evident at the ground, and uh, you know at one point I yelled it out. I can't remember ever, ever yelling this out at the footy, but you know I yelled out, "Where's the overlap?" Mm. <laughs> and it, it just there was no run off the halfback flank. So you know we were getting so little movement from there and that's where you know we we're lever or main marks and generally then we're off to you know we're moving we're those linking handballs and there was just none of that and but what that actually did was sort of um turn our game style and a bit like the giants do that they don't run hard off there into a sort of um almost a traditional style where we ended up using the center channel a lot more um and ironically that that lack of runoff the halfback flank 
made the absence of a true leading forward even worse because there was plenty of space to run straight up the centre, wasn't there, George? Mm, yeah. Like there was channels that um, a, a good forward would have run into. Yeah. Um, they weren't flooding back particularly. They did. They got players back. But because we weren't, it, it wasn't one of those games where we were moving it really fast off the halfback plank and creating chaos ahead of the ball where a player like um, Cozzy could come into it because it's hitting the ground. Um, you know, we were bringing it too slowly into our forward line. It was sort of t- turned into a one-on-one sort of contest and that's where you, you know, it's where someone like a Brown comes into his own, you know. So ironically, the way the game looked wasn't, it was exactly not how it, on a Melbourne terms and it would have totally suited Brown um, because, you know, there was heaps of space to lead into, you know, and as you say, you know, one thing I'll say about Jackson is that, he he looks so much more a natural ruckman than Ford. I totally agree, George. And he's he's got a bit of a technical flaw in his marking. I reckon he he tends to run under the ball quite a lot, and seemingly particularly up forward. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a positioning thing or or I'm not quite sure. He, he does it less so up the ground, but I think that's partly because up the ground he's often running towards the ball. If that makes sense, um, he just doesn't. He, he's um, he doesn't use his body like a natural forward and he's, I mean, he's not kicking goals really either, is he? So um, on the first crack, they talk about one of the problems for um, not having a Ben Brown in, and it was a good example on the weekend, is that drags Max back and forward, you know, forward and back, and he plays at both ends of the grounds. And um, he was, for the first six or seven rounds, they showed uh, some um, um, numbers that we were number one, um, uh, the points, for, I think, points scored by the opposition with, with um, per entry inside 50. We were number one and uh, in the last five rounds we'd, um, we've dropped to number five and um, Montagna was saying a big part of that was because Max is now being asked to play forward, um, whereas previously in the first six or seven weeks with um, he was doing most of his off when he wasn't rucking, he was dropping back into the hole in the back line. So, um, yeah, I, I reckon um, yeah, it was a mistake not to have Brown in. And I think um, Goodwin made an interesting comment in the presser where he sort of basically, I forget the exact words he said, but he, he said we're, he'd be naive to think that <laughs> it wouldn't have been helpful, I think, was something, something along those lines. Mm. We've discussed this before, um, but I think maybe we need to discuss it again is – do you think we actually need a proper forward coach? Uh, we've got Greg Stafford, who's a ruckman and was a great ruckman, and he's, I'm sure he's doing some great work with the two, two ruckmen. Um, but I really think our forward structure is falling down. It, it, it's not working. We'll see what happens when Ben Brown comes in. But I, I really think we need uh, the, the next, and I don't know if we can afford it with the soft caps and all that, but I think we need a bona fide forward coach, someone that that's their bread and butter. That's what uh, that's what they played their career doing. They they know it inside and out. Maybe we need to just change it all up. Um, thoughts? Yeah, it's it's um, look. Every club is probably in the same situation with the with the. Uh, uh, soft cap um, forward coaches are probably something that's expendable compared to the other areas of the ground, but um, I, th- I think it's the uh, subject matter that we're working with is the problem, and we've just spoken about this. Ben Brown certainly knows how to play as a forward. Um, Bailey Fritch knows how to play as a forward. Uh, 
but Max Gorn and Jackson don't, and Tommy Mack does a great job, but he's moving up the ground. You, you've got to... Um, uh, it's a bit like uh, the back six. You've got to have people who are there permanently, not people who are floating in and out during the game, filling a role here, plugging a hole, um, then moving into the ruck. Um, you've got to have a more stable structure. Just look at look at what the Bulldogs have got, for example, with um, Josh Bruce. Now, Bruce has had fantastic form in the last 18 months at least because he's been doing what he does naturally and then they've got Aaron Norton sitting alongside him doing doing the same sort of thing but they're there every week uh, they don't expect um, English to play a forward role all the time yes he floats down there nice uh, every now and again and kicks goals though and, and kicks goals and that's what Max used to do just go down there temporarily um, be a real damaging target, but but we're putting too much focus on resting the ruckman up forward. It's 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 a different scenario um, to what the, the bulldogs are playing, for example. So um, yeah, we've got a problem, but I think we we've, we've got to put the right sort of players in there in the first place. The one of the other features of the game that at WA Demon Boy in the a chat room asked about, and, and um, George had on the running sheet was our slow start. So it was another. Another slow start, really, and um, WA Demon Boy notes that the Dogs was the only one where we got out of the blocks, um, where six goals, five in that game. But, um, yeah, it, it feels a bit like we we take that first 20 minutes of the game to feel out the opposition a bit, doesn't it? And, mm. you know, um, that seems to be a very, well, it's obviously a, a pattern. Um, what What do you reckon that's about? I, I honestly don't know. Um, it has to be a mental thing. I mean, the fact that they can come back uh, and have come back in the in games throughout the whole season up up to this point, um, but we never seem to get off to a good never seems to get off to a good start. I mean, even in this game, uh, Toby Green had his first goal within the first you know, 30, 40 seconds yeah. of of the game um, from a horrible free kick. I might add. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, but. Um, uh, we we just seem so flat for a start. People, I don't know what it. I just don't know what it is. I I can't put anything. I can't pinpoint anything specifically. It's certainly within them because they they do manage to get their act together uh, eventually. But um, when you're already playing from behind, it's it's um, it's a lot harder to. I think we were um, three or four goals down at one stage in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder to come back when the total number of goals you kick for the game is seven. Especially, um, especially you, if fatigue yeah, is an issue and might be an yeah. issue going forward. So that's, yeah, you're not going to be yeah. able to chase down opposition every week, week yeah. in, week out. You just can't sustain that, especially if they're already at a fatigued base. So, um, Yeah, and it'll be very important this coming week. Uh, apparently it's full full capacity stadium at Port. Um, you do not want to give them a sniff and their fans a sniff. But yeah, yeah you, you, want, you want to come out like we did against the Bulldogs and... Put the yeah. kick, take take out the nineteenth man yeah, exactly. <laughs> out of the equation, but uh, yeah, uh, exactly as we talked about in the mid season review, they're a team that plays on emotion, aren't they? So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I think we've talked about the forwards. You want to talk about the mids? Uh, how did our clearances go this week, B, B- man? Well, I think as George, as I noted, George's point uh, in his review was spot on. Is the numbers were terrible, um, but it, it's not the numbers; um, it's what 
um, either we or the opposition do with them and they hurt us. Um, and, you know, a big part of that was that we just weren't um, pressuring the ball carrier. And, you know, I have to say that um, um, Viney was... He, he had a very poor game, and um, you know, I know that we'll talk a bit about him. But you know, he's as a, as I mentioned, he's a really important player um, for that pressure. But he just wasn't applying it, um, and so clearances weren't great. Um, but the issue is not the raw numbers; it's um, you know what they did with them, and they were they hurt us pretty badly on the they, you know they cleared the ball pretty easily. I don't think they actually got that many goals from them um, directly from clearances, but we certainly didn't get many. I think Goodwin said they got three. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, again, context is a bit, it's pretty important. I mean, three goals is not like a Bulldogs performance from clearances, is it? So, you know, the numbers were out of whack, no doubt about it. I mean, I think that a mate of mine um, texted me afterwards to... to um, basically sort of question our midfield, you know, there's sort of discussion about us being up there with the midfield, but he's saying, you know, made the good point that, you know, there's no way you could compare our midfield even at full strength to, say, the Dogs' midfield. Um, and even the Giants, you know, that's a, they've got a, a very solid midfield. Um, and when you've got, you know, when you're Viney, uh, sorry, when um, Oliver and Petrarca aren't playing at their very best, it suddenly falls away a bit, particularly Viney, was in the sort of form that he was this week. Um, then you know it, it looks it looked decidedly thin. Um, I thought on the on the weekend. So you know you, we really need those players to sort of be at a very high level every game. Um, otherwise, the midfield isn't nearly as competitive as you know we'd hope. Yeah, I, I had questions about the value of Harms, particularly this week because he was playing. The majority of the time in the mids in the midfield and, and around the clearances as that third third midfielder, um, he, he was getting his possessions around the ground, but in the in the certainly in the centre bounces, um, he was all at sea. I, I couldn't see that he was tagging anyone, and then so yeah, the question tagging, no. and the question for me is if he's not tagging someone in there, what's he doing in there? Um, yeah, and he, I mean he's so frustrating at times in terms of. Um, I was trying to think of the player he reminds me of, but this is going way back. Remember Rhino Richards? Yeah. He used to always try to break tackles and, like, it looked great when it came off. And, um, you know, so when it did come off, he, uh, you know, he'd get into space. He'd, you know, he'd look like a world beater. Same with Harms. He, he just tries it. To, he just, when he's not got a job, which is tagging one of the best opposition players, it seems as if he's, he, he misunderstands his ability somehow or mm. a bit like Frosty or, you know, even yeah. T-Mac when he was playing as a defender um, seems to sort of take too many risks and and then sort of it looks good when it comes off. But, geez, he, he made some howlers, I thought. And often they were more about his do, trying to do too much with the ball and um, rather than just the basics well. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead, sorry, Andy. No, you go. Yeah. Oh, I, I just thought he also... Um, um, set up a whole series of, of hospital hand passes in particular to people. Um, he'd get a stat for, for a, a hand pass away, but he was putting people under so much pressure rather than doing, the, like you said, the simple things. Just just get the ball and get it out. Go for the easy option rather than trying to do too much. Um, but I think that was the major reason why we were, we were really suffering was we had Petrarca and Oliver who certainly held up their end of the bargain. Um, I don't know that Harms did. When you've got Toronto and Ward and Kelly and Whitfield playing through the middle, you've got four really highly talented players. 
and we didn't have um, and for me that that explains why they they got the the ease of movement out of the middle and around the packs um, in this particular game so and combine that with combine that sort of differential in terms of you know as you said it's a strong midfield but also not putting enough pressure on them mm. and you know viney that's he he was i mean it's Jordan, when he was at his best, well, Viney was out, was much better than Viney was in this game. So, yeah. you know, you're right. We had Harms who who played poorly and made some sort of errors that that hurt us. You had Track and Oliver just going, and but Track just missed too many targets, really. Um, and you had Viney, who, you know, I'd be curious to know. Oh, you haven't seen it, Andy, but what what your view was? I, uh, you know, I. It defensively wasn't great, and I just wonder whether he's still carrying something. Um, I had my binoculars on him at um, the halftime break. They came out and they they had their obligatory, um, you know, all team huddle, um, and uh, Max was talking to them. And it's um, total pet hate of mine. I've done a bit of basketball coaching, and my kids play sport. It's a pet hate of mine when the um, coach is addressing the players and you've got kids looking off into the distance. I just hate it. Um, but that's exactly what he was doing at halftime. Uh, Max was talking. Everyone was, they were all hugged together. Uh, he was on the outside of that that sort of circle and I had my glasses on him and he was sort of just staring off into the middle distance away from, um, you know, not looking at Max. He eventually turned around. And so then I kept my glasses on him afterwards for a while um, as they went off to their positions, um, broke for their positions. And he just looked a bit disgruntled and players were coming up to him. He, he just didn't seem to have any energy. And he also was sort of flexing his leg a bit like he'd been. Um, I know he went down pretty hard at one point um, and there was a bit of talk about him pushing away a trainer on Demon Land. But, um, he, and I thought, well, maybe that's being a bit unfair on him. You know, like players can get, you know, Players take a different approach, I'm sure. Um, but unfortunately, that, that sort of lack of interest is how he played in the second half. Um, he definitely wasn't the dynamic player he is when he's at his best, and he just didn't give us that injection that you've talked about, George, when he when he's a sort of explosive player. Mm. He just, there was none of that, was there? No. I mean, we wanted, we were all in agreement uh, that he comes straight back into the team, but uh, was that a mistake? Should he have... Um... Should he have played some some weeks in the twos? But I guess at the time the twos <laughs> have just come back. But um, now that they are back, uh, might he have uh, been better suited to to work his way into it after I having missed a large chunk of the season? I I, I don't think that's that's a problem. The way that uh, Burgess has been preparing the players when they've come back, they've usually been pretty in pretty tip top shape. Um, uh, I'm not a great fan of the phrase match fit. Um, you're either fit or you're not fit. Um, match fit used to be something that was applicable 25 years, 30 years ago when players used to train once a week and, and turn up for the game on Saturday. So they got as much fitness preparation on the Saturday as they did during the week. Uh, that doesn't happen these days. So um, I think if, you, if you're ready to go, you're ready to go, particularly given our injury list. It's not like we're bringing players back because we have to. Um, uh, so if, if you're ready to go, and I think if Viney was in that ca- case, uh, then he should have been available. But Pinman might be right. If he's taken a bad hit um, in the game, then um, there's, there's a good reason for him not performing up to his usual self. But I dare say that we'll find out um, 
uh, in the next couple of days or so when the when the teams are announced who's in and who's out. I suspect Vandenberg is being looked at seriously to come back in and he provides a similar sort of grunt to us yeah. um, that, that we probably need. But uh, uh, whether it's fine he goes out, we'll have to – we'll talk about that uh, a little bit further down the track. In a way, Vine is like a um, metaphor for the team because, you know, if he's not playing at full, intense, run-through walls, Jack Viney, um, and, you know, he's not playing at that level, he's an average kick. He doesn't get depth. He makes some unusual decisions like he burnt track at one point, whether it maybe just didn't see him, but, you know, that's his sort of tunnel vision. Um, you know, so he's one would... What he brings is that intensity. You take that away, it's a bit like the team. If you take our intensity away, well, suddenly we look average. Um, and he's he's that sort of player. Without that full kamikaze approach to the game, um, you know, he suddenly looks a bit average. Um, just looking at the notes, uh, George, uh, you've written game time uh, for Sparrow and Jordan. Can I elaborate? Yeah, uh, this week Jordan had 65%. Uh, Sparrow was down to 55% game time. Um, uh, we've we've spoken about whether the training loads are causing this, but they haven't actually had a lot of game time in the last couple of weeks as well. Um, so it's interesting to to be looking at um, how much time they're getting. You know, it's difficult for us on the outside to judge whether they're protecting these kids as because they're both very, very young and very new to the game, particularly since both are playing in the middle, um, or whether there's something else going on in terms of giving others uh, greater game time. But certainly they seem to be making full use of the um, available time that they're getting, which is great. Um, but maybe it's time that... Um, uh, I, I don't know that... We, we just don't know. Are they, are they actually tired or... Or are they just being prepared for for greater things towards the end of the season? I, I just don't know, but we've just got to wait and see. Well, I reckon again, if you apply Occam's razor, the the latter's more logical. And in fact, I think it sort of it gels with what you've been saying all season about that time on ground. I, you know, I reckon it would make a hell of a lot of sense for a team where we're at with a you know almost a third of our list under 23, or sorry, a third of our best 22, our starting 22 under 23, maybe a quarter, um, to get them through a full season, um, you know, you can manage your, your loads on the track. You can also manage your loads in game time, can't you? So, you know, they would have these days that have, you know, the, the distance they travel and all of that stuff down to a fine art. So, you know, they, they I reckon, you know, there's every chance with those younger players that, they're managing their game time with a view to increasing them as the season goes on. Um, you know, maybe someone like a Jordan, if he'd played 80, 90% to this stage, he might be, you know, out on his legs, but you keep him at 50, 60%. Maybe they can, in the back, you know, coming into finals, um, you know, they can let him play 80, 90%. And suddenly you've got a, you know, you've got a player who's a gun uh, who's getting 80, 90% game time as opposed to 50, 60%. I, you know, I, I reckon it's something that could well be a very sort of, I mean, it seems to be a pretty logical thing to do. So there's every chance that's what they're doing. I've just, I've just had a look back uh, the last couple of weeks and both of them have been hovering um, 
around uh, Jordan the last two weeks has been around the 65-60. Sparrow the last two weeks has been, uh, he actually played more this week than the week before. Uh, He has 55 this week and 50% the week before. And then going back to the Collingwood game, uh, Jordan was only 57 and uh, Sparrow was 66. So they've both been sort of hovering around that sort of 50 to 65% mark. Um, So yeah, they're, they're obviously, that's, that's, Obviously, the goal with them, and I'm sure if I went back further, uh, would see the same pattern um, for them. So, yeah, there is, there's obviously a reason they're being managed through the year. Uh, I think the great thing about Jordan is even with 50, 50 to 60% game time, he's getting 20, possess- 20 23 possessions uh, every week with that uh, game time. So uh, I think that's a good thing for when he does play 80 90%. Just on a similar, um, maybe slightly tangential um, thought, during the game I was wondering a little bit about that game time thing, but I was wondering, the, you know, with the introducing something new into the game plan um, that we haven't done, but there's been some shifts like where we're much more deliberate in our ball movement. And, again, I think that's um, to do with, um, you know, potentially fatigue. We were holding the ball much longer Um but I wonder whether, you know, that Goody ever since he's come to the club has been talking about the finals being a second season. So that there's season one is the home and away. You get there, finals is a whole new season. Um, that's sort of an American NFL um, sort of thinking. Um, and that he, every year he's introduced something. Um, and, you know, it would seem to me that there's a chance that he will introduce something that they're working on, but they bring in at the um, end of the season. Because I've heard many times uh, um, during different seasons that the game changes two or three times in the season. So, you know, there's a bit of working out what other teams are doing and then sort of adapting. And um, so, yeah, it occurred to me that there's a chance that we'll introduce something at the back end of the season and why I relate it to the game time, because suddenly if you've got someone like Jordan who's moves from 50% game time to 80 to 90% game time, that provides you different options and what you can do. Um, and so maybe that they, they'll look to introduce a sort of tactical innovation that they've been working on through the season and not don't want to show their cards at this point of the year um, and do so in the back end towards finals. Um, I saw a few things during the week. Um didn't delve too much into it, but just the headline sort of grabbed me. And I don't know if it's just a bit of clickbait, but um, have we been worked out by opposition teams? Are, are they, are they working? You know, we're, we're obviously being the top team on the ladder. Uh, teams are, we're, we're becoming the, the hunted. Um, and so teams are putting in more more work on us and how we how we were winning are they now negating some of those things um i i my, my thoughts on our wins against the bulldogs and um and brisbane were that uh perhaps they didn't put as much time into us as say you know GWS and even maybe Essendon last week and Collingwood had put into us and they were just trying to play their their A games to beat us, but um, we were able to to have the better of them in those games. But now the teams might be putting more time into us. Is it going to be harder for us to win if we don't sort of adapt? And either of you can take that. 
I mean, of course, there's always going to be adaptions, isn't there? I thought Brisbane did actually put some work into us. They definitely they tagged Salem for one, yeah. and they definitely uh, um, try to avoid dump kicking into. Um, um, to Lever and to May, um, so absolutely, oppositions will will do that. You know, but I think that what's interesting in that is that if you've worked out a team, well, then you score heavily against them, don't you? Mm, like, you know, yeah. who scored against us? No. I mean, the problem for us is that you know we haven't been scoring enough. So, I mean, yeah. what did they score on the weekend? Those what sixty nine goals? Yeah. yeah, nine goals. I mean, that's nine goals isn't no. you know so. I mean, part of so you could argue, well, they're taking away our ability to score. But as we've talked about the last two weeks, if we kick straight, we we kick straight, yeah, we think, wouldn't have been beaten this season. Yeah, I think so, we're, ta- we're taking away our ability to score in the way we uh, we're kicking well, into the forward line as well. Um, well, Essendon didn't. Essendon yeah. didn't take away ability to score. We took our own ability. Yeah, that's away what I'm saying. Because we I'm couldn't saying. hit the bloody target. Yeah. You know, this game did, but it, I, I just we were so flat in this game, and you know, even still, we had a chance to win it. If I tell you what, if Hunter not, if Hunter just kicked it instead of three times, not knowing, you know, going for the team thing, um, if we'd had a bit of luck with the umpires in that last quarter, if you know, if Fritch hadn't have missed a shot from twenty meters after that mark, we could have easily won that game. So you know, of course, teams are gonna. To you know, they've got a full body of work to to look at us. And they know what we're going to do, um, and of course, they'll look to to you know work on on mitigating our strengths just as we will with them. But if they work, if you know, they've worked out West Coast, haven't they? They're scoring 120 yeah. points against them. And and the the thing is, our our big def- defensive structures are obvious to the other teams, and they still can't do anything about it. Um, they they can't stop May and Lever. Um, you have to completely change the way that they go into the forward line uh, to avoid them. And I think that upsets the opposition's attack modes more than anything else. But as Ben Man said, our problem is the forward line, not, not kicking enough goals. It's yeah. not the defence. It's not being worked out. Um, our mids are okay, although there's a, a couple of questions that we've raised tonight about them. But yeah, our forward line is is the problem at the moment. We can't kick seven goals on what was a perfectly good day uh, and expect to win a game, especially when we kick, what was it, 7-13, as, as Ben Man said. We had plenty of opportunities to uh, kick that. There was another one that uh, Rivers missed, was a snap, that completely just went up in the air. There was oh. a, the, the, the Fritsch... Um, uh, the fridge kick around the body from 10 metres out, effectively, that missed. Um, uh, T-Mac hit the post, I think, first in the first quarter. And there, were, there were certainly plenty of opportunities for us just to kick straight, but uh, straight kicking come, comes back to um, practice. But also, if, if people are fatigued, that's when the, the straight kicking uh, gets most affected. And again, in that last quarter, um, um, there just wasn't the... the the, the run and the and the vibrancy, particularly in that forward line, that was needed. You know, Hunt run, was running down the ground and nobody was moving for him. No. He was looking for someone to kick it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should have kicked it to the goal because there was no none of the players were doing anything. Um, but but it's because of this either this fatigue factor that they've got or the lack of structure that the forward line's got. We just have to kick goals. And I mean, 
One thing I, I wonder whether they're putting a bit of time into keeping it away from Langdon. He's not had the um, mm. since he came back from the, that injury. He's not been quite as influential, um, and um, you know they're not working us out in terms of our forward line. It's not as if their defensive system, opposition defensive systems, they're suddenly unlocked our ability. You know, like West Coast is such a great scoring team when they're on with all of their bigs. You could argue other teams have found a way to stop that. For instance, as George said, we've had our chances. It's our fault that we're not scoring, not the opposition's fault. Um, And I, and I shouldn't, um, I don't want to sound critical of Hunt actually, because you know, I'm not critical at all for him for those efforts. I wish he had have kicked them, but it's sort of like that's one of the – you can't knock a fella for playing team football when the whole season's been built on team football, can you? Um, and he was the only one showing any run in that last quarter. Uh, you know, like, as you say, George, he was running down, screaming out for Brown. That was one of the more obvious ones where he was just looking for a forward and knew how to double back and lead into space. You know, Someone like Kennedy – you know, if we'd had a Kennedy in the team, or perhaps a Ben Brown, um, he would have. That's exactly would have done. Instead of you know, he would have run to the goal square, doubled back, and got an easy kick from Hunt. Um, and that's what Hunt was looking for. Um, mind you, he was like we were you know, had a bad run with the umpires. I thought, um, you know, the, we had more free kicks. I think on the day, um, but that last one that Hunt got pinged for was right in front of me, and he handballed that one hundred percent. Handballed it. Um, it was like that Margetts was sort of totally focused on not allowing the pro-Melbourne crowd to influence him and he went the other way. And I thought the umpiring, there were some weird decisions. Fritch had a mark, it wasn't paid. It's one of those ones that nine times out of ten, that's paid 99 times out of 100, you know, where it's, it looks like it's not clear if other people have got it. As it turned out, the replay showed he was the only one who touched it. That was a really critical one. The other one, D Future asked me about it on the um, to to ask you guys what you thought about this one was they umpiring about well, two things is they were seemingly giving them absolute oodles of time after a mark before they called play on. It happened multiple times where, and where we were hurried up after two, three, four, five seconds. It was really noticeable. Like there was, you know, the fans were starting to scream at one point, you know, play on, play on. Uh, and then the other one was that they seemed to completely stop paying um, the uh, infringing the um, protected zone. It happened at least twice where we should have got a 50 metres. Um, one would have put us on the goal square. I think it was Tom McDonald. And there was another free kick that wasn't paid where um, it should have been down the ground where track got pushed in the back by Mumford uh, as he kicked the ball. It's a free kick every day of the week, not paid, and that would have been down the ground in the goal square as well. So, you know, I thought we had a pretty bad run with the injuries. Uh, sorry, with the injuries with the umpires. There's certainly been a change... Um... Uh, it wasn't just in our game that the umpires are simply not paying um, any freeze for the infringements uh, of the five metre arc um, anymore. L- last season it was endemic. Um, it's just not happening uh, at all. The other um, the other interpretation that's changed um, is the deliberate out of bounds or the lack of intent. Uh, I think. Uh, the AFL have introduced the same rule as uh, applies in the uh, women's league, the AFLW, that if you um, kick it or handball it out within between the 50 metre arcs, it's considered to be it's a free kick to the opposition. Um, I think we've got a, a rule change without getting a rule change in this uh, because there are 
across all the games, there are just simply ridiculous calls being made. Players under pressure, missed kicks that are going out, but the fact that they go out between the two arcs um, causes a free kick. And if you do the same thing inside the 50, it's always a throw-in. And the other big change, I mean, it frustrates fans every season, but um, how you start the season with one set of interpretations and by around 16, 17, it's completely, you know, different. And a really obvious one is the stand the mark rule. They brought it in for a specific reason. Now they wander around like Brown's cows. It's like, you know, they stand wherever they want. They ignore the umpire when they say stand. It's just a complete mess. And that protected zone one, they were red hot on that at the beginning of the season. Um, and there was one where two players wandered through. I, I'm pretty sure it was T-Mac, had it up around the 60 metres marks. Two of their players were in the protected zone. Again, it was right in front of me. And it was, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, pay it. Round 16, stop paying it. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, but the the um, other one that's completely changed like from last year is holding the ball. It's just not paid anymore. Mm. And then occasionally it will get paid, and it's like a it's paid for in weird situations where it's like that it's rewarding some really good rundown where they it's, sometimes it's paid where they actually haven't had time to release it, but it's rewarding the effort of the tackle for some reason. It's just that's a dog's breakfast, a dog's breakfast as well. You won't get any argument uh, from me. I, I've got a, um, I've got a mate in the US who, who's really in the last couple of years watched a lot of, uh, starting to get into AFL. Watches a lot. Got the watch AFL thing. Watches not just Melbourne games but other games. And he often says to me, "I just don't understand how the game is adjudicated. It is different <laughs> from week to week." And this is without the noise of of reading it online about or anything. This is just him. He just cannot grasp. He understands the rules, um, but just the interpretation of the rules, he just does not get and doesn't understand how it's different from week to week, game to game. Um, and some weeks it's, you know, as we as we know, that that's the free kick of the week or that's the what they're paying this week. And it, it's really frustrating and I don't know how they fix it. Maybe with Steve Hocking uh, vacating the role, they might get someone in who, who fixes it all up, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, I reckon, I mean, the biggest thing that we could talk all night about the umpire. Is he American, that fella? Uh, yes, he is American. Uh, so, no doubt when he says that to you. And you a sport say, well, lover. I've got, I've got no idea either. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, yeah, yeah. And I reckon the biggest indictment on umpiring and is, I mean, it's, I don't want to criticise the umpires, the biggest indictment on the AFL is come finals time, prelim time, you don't notice the umpires and they do a great job and there's very few controversial, really controversial decisions in grand finals. You can, I can count on, you know, two hands over the years. I mean, they still talk about the Harms one or um, all these, not Harms, uh, what's his name there? Was it Harms? The guy, you know, when the yeah, ball was out of bounds. Yeah, all these years. I mean, there's not that many controversial free kicks because the best umpire is umpire. You know, that's how every game of footy should be. Let's hope we're in the preliminary final to find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Defence, obviously, still working uh, pretty well. Uh, Hibbert, Hibbert versus Green, what do you boys think of, of that match-up and uh, did it work? Start with you, George. All right. I'll th- yeah. I, well, the, I think the defence held up really, really well. 
Um, again, the fact that GWS um, could only kick nine goals, um, that's normally enough to get you over the line in terms of winning the game, except that we couldn't do anything at the other end. Uh, Hibbert versus Green. Green got three goals. Um, only one of the, the first goal he got was because, I can't remember who it was, kicked the ball into um, one of their teammates and it landed in Green's lap um, and, and he kicked the goal off it. Uh, the second one was a dodgy um, umpiring decision where uh, Green dropped his knees as Oliver was tackling him. Um, I thought it was Hibbert, but it was Oliver, you're right. Yeah, um, and the third one was a just simply a Toby Green brilliant mark one-on-one with Hibbert. Um, but that was all he did for the whole game. Um, the, the, those three goals, which were all before half-time after that, Hibbert had shut him down. So I think it was certainly the right match-up for us. Um, he did his job, and you know, apart from a few lucky um, uh, opportunities that Green took full advantage of, you know, he would have finished up with one goal for the game. That would have been a winning, winning um, uh, result for us if that had been the case. But uh, the rest of the backline holding holding up very, very well. Everyone's doing their job. Uh, can't no complaints whatsoever about there. Uh, Lever and May got leather poisoning again, doing what they do down there. Salem was brilliant in bringing the ball out again, coming back to his best. Uh, Hunt was moved up forward uh, in the in the last quarter to try and give us some drive, but he was still doing his job. Um, uh, prior to that, um, I don't think we'll see any changes down the back back, back half because we don't need to. Uh, I agree with all of that, except I reckon I don't reckon Rivers had his best game, and he's another player who's looking a bit tired. I reckon. Did you mention his? Um, time on ground before when you were going through those uh, Andy? I've, I'll grab a backup so while you're talking. Yeah, he, he just looked a bit, he's looking a bit sort of frayed around the edges. And, yeah, I mean, P- Petty made a couple of mistakes, um, you know, but again, they, I, I thought the defence was great. That um, It was interesting, as you say, George, that Green kicked three to half time. I think they only had five goals at half time, didn't they? So he kicked three of their five goals, um, and there was no sense that you know uh, Goody would move him off him. So I think you know they were happy with that matchup. He got bugger all possessions but mm. apart from then, but that mark he took against Hibbert, like you're not going to knock Hibbert for that. Like he is just as I said uh, last week, Green is he's an out and out star. I'd love him at Melbourne Footy Club, um, and you know you put the ball in the air to his advantage. He wins that contest just about <laughs> against any player in the AFL. Um, he And goes back and kicks it. That's the difference, isn't it? Mm, he goes yeah. back and kicks that from 45 metres, takes his opportunities. In fact, did he kick any points, George? I can't I look at that. Uh, can they, check offhand. They, he, limited opportunities, but kicks three goals out of nine. Kicks a third of their goals with limited opportunities. Three, three goals and no points. Yeah, right. So three straight, um, all from distance, all from yeah. 30, 40 metres. Um, that's the difference. And then Kelly kicked one from a beautiful yeah, kick. Outside 50. Outside 50. You know, yeah. There's and, the game. And with, three, Whitfield did the same. Another Whitfield one did the same. That's the game of footy. Um, and that's why I think that, you know, it's easy to over, you know, to panic about the loss. Um, but, you know, you reverse and we get two of them or they miss two of them and we get win that game. Um, but... You know, that's why I've always wanted Kelly in the footy at Melbourne. Um, you know, the, he's just such a beautiful player in Whitfield um, and, you know, Green, obviously. But they're good players. The best kicks take their chances when they come. 
Uh, you say you want Kelly. Um, uh, let's cast our mind back. I don't know if it was 2014. <laughs> what would you have done uh, in hindsight? Uh, I believe, what did we get? Uh, Salem and, and Wiedemann? And Hunt was in that next three. Not Wiedemann. Wiedemann was in the... It was Hunt and Wiedemann. Uh, sorry, Hunt and No, Salem. but didn't we... Uh, I thought we had pick... Not, what do we have in that? Didn't, didn't Wiedemann go in that draft as well? I don't think he was. It was Hunt and... Um, we traded up and we got Salem and Hunt for the pick that we would have that we gave to them, didn't we? Didn't we swap our pick two for their like? I thought seven pick nine Wiedemann. was involved, the Wiedemann thing, but I, I could be wrong. Um, well, if he was involved, then <laughs> arguably <laughs> that changes the dynamic their way. Look, I mean, I for a long time I thought that we made a mistake. Um, Salem's been so brilliant; it's hard to think that now. Um, so I reckon, you know, I'll, I'll probably give that one to the um, to the coaches. That said, uh, you know, you're right. Um, sorry, uh, the D, the D's traded pick two to the Giants to land Dom Tyson, pick Tyson. nine, which was Salem. Sorry, and pick fifty seven, Jaden Hunt. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, he's had a, he had a couple of quiet years, Kelly, but he's on the market at the end of this season. We won't get him because we'll be priced out of the bet. He's a super player, so. Yeah. You know, but Salem's Salem's coming good, so you know, let's look forward. I, that might just pick up the MFCSS. They're still thinking about that. What was your cure for Andy, uh, George? Oh, it's the, the, I did extensive research uh, on Google, uh, and, and what I've discovered is I was looking up incurable diseases, which I think <laughs> I think this qualifies. Do you think so, Andy? Well, I, I've always said uh, a, a temporary cure is is a premiership, but then uh, come pre-season the next year, it's it, it's back uh, in full yeah, swing. Yeah, so, yeah, um, so it's def- definitely incurable yeah. from the sounds of things. So there's, there's uh, a vaccine, the premiership, and you need a booster every year. So you can keep <laughs> prelim minimum. <laughs> yeah, there was a great def- definition of what what uh, an incurable disease is. Um, it's disorders of both infectious and non-infectious neoplastic, autoimmune, metabolic and genetic in nature. So what, what I've concluded from that, since it's genetic in nature, you actually caught this from Whispering Jack. Yeah, well, I'm sure. He's, you know. So, so all, all, all we're going to um, blame Jack for, the, um, for passing it on to you. What I need to know, though, is have you passed it on to your kids? Well, they're, they're really not so interested in football, so I think... Um... Right. I think they're uh, I think they're cured just by uh, by that. Um, Are you sure, but, it's not infectious because it seems yeah. to be spreading. I've been like, you know, I've been trying to sort of keep away from it, but uh, you know, it's I, I had my doubts Look, even on the weekend. I understand that the nine points and all of our losses this year haven't been big losses. It worries me that they're of who we lost to that we can't. That it, what worries me is that we haven't been able to put teams away, but we've been doing the enough to to beat teams. All right, fair enough. I'm worried about going forward. I'm, I'm bloody worried this week. I think this week might be the week we get absolutely pantsed, and I don't know if we can we can win this. It might be another one of those games. Uh, luckily, the the president, the old president's not not in because he he might be making comments again after the, after this week. I'm worried the next two weeks after we've got games we now have to win um, against lower teams, the Hawthorne, Gold Coast. That worries me now. Uh, 
we just we've can't got to get, get the vaccine. The, well, yeah, we do. Get the vaccine. Yeah, There's no other. Look, we're not. It's like Australia. We're going nowhere until we get a vaccine. For, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about. Uh, I'm worried that we're playing West Coast, and when they'll get their their house <laughs> we'll in order, in a form. Yeah, we'll play them into form. I wanted to play them this week. Um, yeah, uh, worried about the Geelong game, Bulldogs. I'm worried about. I'm worried. Already worried about going out in straight sets finals. I don't even think we're going to make top four at the moment, so we could be out in the first week. Um, uh, anyway, as I said, I went to the game, so I was couldn't get a ticket to the SN game. Couldn't believe it, and um, so it's the first game I've seen live since. Geez, what's the? Was it Sydney? I think the the last one before that. Um, and um, not sitting at the top of the Ponsford because, of course, that was an open. I was down on the, is it the, what's the stand where the MFC, the MCC is? The Olympic stand. Or the what? Olympic stand. I was down there on the half forward pocket. Had a, I had a seat surrounded by people, so I went down into this spot where I was all by myself in a big empty. Where, where were you, in the old red seats or the old blue seats? Uh, blue seats. I was down in the pocket. Yeah, down in the, the blue road seats. pocket on the right. Uh, and Jesus, uh, Melbourne fans, some of them were going ballistic at the D's players. <laughs> we're, I'm back at a footy where 12, we've won 12 games and the vitriol at some of our players, I think, good Lord, doesn't matter what um, club you barrack for, there's some whackers out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this week, is, is it, um, no, we're, we're playing. We're playing away. Are you that? That's that was my question, B man. Can you get to South Australia? That was your well, plan. I was planning on going, and I'd taken leave this Friday on the assumption that it would be Friday night because it's game of the round. Um, and I can't do it to uh, Thursday night, so I've canned that idea. And you know, now it's full hundred percent, so it'll be packed. Um, I would have been able to get a ticket, presumably. They, there's a Melbourne members allocation, one assumes, and so. I can't take Thursday off, so it's candid for me. I, I don't understand why at all why we have to play the Thursday night, why this game couldn't be the Friday night. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't even know why they're playing Essendon Friday night. Are they rewarding Essendon? Because uh, Essendon, yeah, 12th versus 15th isn't that appetising, particularly when you've got the Bulldogs, Sydney, playing on Sunday 3.20. That, that would be considering the form of both teams, put that on Friday night. Um, well, I did wonder whether, I mean, historically, Friday night's the big one for, um, you know, it's the biggest game of the round, isn't it? But I wonder whether Channel 7 wanted a, bit, a bigger game on the Thursday night. And they, I know from last season they had a fair bit of sway in that because I guess they're tipping a fair bit of money in. Um, so, you know, I guess tipping a bit of fair, a fair bit of money and gets you some sway. But um, I wonder whether for them Thursday night maybe is a, you know, potentially more lucrative. Yeah, possibly. It's the f- first game of footy for the week, so it's Thursday, Sunday, yeah. Friday. <laughs> and you're going to get a full crowd in Port Adelaide, so the AFL wouldn't care about that aspect. You're going to get probably a, a oh, close to sellout. You'd that's expect, not going to – the, the, the fact that it's uh, – uh, it's live on TV is not going to affect uh, the crowd. Not in Adelaide, no. Whereas that's often what's spoken about is saying, well, Thursday night in Melbourne, you know, you won't get a full crowd because it's a school night or whatever. So it's, I think it's holidays over there as well. Um, and, you know, f- maybe Friday night's 
not the marquee if there's a Thursday night game that's a big one. So potentially Channel 7 wanted the best game for the Thursday night. It's clearly, it's clearly the most important um, game of the round. Although Swans, Dogs has got a lot of importance attached to it too. I'm go Swannies, huh? Yeah, well, we've got to win. <laughs> that's 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 a given. Um, if we want to take back that top spot, but top four is now very important. Um, let's talk about this. This is one. a big game because um, you know, as we talked about, I don't rate Port, but they are fourth. Um, it's an eight-point game, as they say. It's a classic eight-point game, and this could be one of the ones if they get on a run. Um, where you know it might end up being that we we don't want to play Port first week in Adelaide. That's hundred percent sure. No um, you know we're not going to be playing um, West Coast, so you know we don't want to be playing Brisbane in Brisbane for that matter. So top two's critical, but you know even if we finish third or fourth, if we can keep Port out of finishing four out of the top four, well we won't be playing them. Then. Port have St Kilda after us in Mar- at Marvel. They've got Collingwood at Adelaide Oval, which they should win. They've got GWS in Canberra. Uh, so that's, uh, that's n- not necessarily a win. They've got the showdown uh, against Adelaide. Uh, Carlton in Adelaide. Jeez, that's a pretty good run, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they got a they got a good run, and then uh, Bulldog, uh, Bulldog, the Bulldogs of Marvel in the last round. So they got a couple right. of games which aren't, uh, you know, straight out wins, um, but including yeah, this one, including this. So we need to we need that eight point game, um, and then yeah, and the, and the good the good thing is that uh, I, I think if there's one game that's going to get us inspired, it's playing against a decent team. Uh, Right off from the start, the pressure will be on, particularly in the midfield. Um, Wines has been in fantastic form. Um, the fortunate thing for us is that he's a horrible kick. You know, I, I think him and Jack Viney probably spent too much time together, but um, he certainly is able to get the ball. I think he had 39, possession, uh, 39 possessions last week or something ridiculous, or 40 possessions. Um, Twenty. He had 29 to half time. Uh, it was just inc- just incredible. He's in. He was in everything. Um, surprisingly, Boak was a bit quiet. I think uh, the old legs might have been a little bit uh, slow this week. He's injured, uh, I think. Uh, no, he was, he was certainly playing, but he, he no. wasn't. He wasn't his normal. Um, no, I think uh, he got injured in the match. Did he? Yeah. Right. I think okay. so. Didn't yeah. he do his? I think he's out. I'm, I'm yeah. just. Uh, Pulling up the old injury list, but that doesn't always tell us yeah. what the story they, is. Uh, Robbie Gray's out, so well, that's a positive. That, yeah. um, uh, if we can hold Dixon, Dixon's um, uh, he only kicked three goals, I think, against Hawthorne, and it's just his strength. But I, I think we've got May to be able to cover him beautifully. Um, so uh, the the other one that people forget about, really forget about is what do we do about Alir Alir? He, he has been in fantastic form. If we let him loose at the half-back line... <laughs> Don't kick uh, it down his throat. <laughs> do not kick it anywhere near a lear, a lear, but that's going to be our problem, which is another reason why we need a second tall forward, just to at least create the contest. Um, you can't afford for him to be um, having a free free reign um, on that half-back line because that's where their drive comes out, out of. But um, I think it's going to be a ripping game. Um, they've only got the one Ruckman in Lysette, um, Dixon is the uh, backup ruck for there, so there's an opportunity for us to take advantage of that. Um, I, 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 I still have no no time for Ken Hingley as a coach. 
the um, in in this in the game against Hawthorne, like I said, Hawthorne kicked the first goal, then Port kicked the next nine because Port were just attacking, moving the ball quickly, being free flowing, and all of a sudden after the after half time they just stopped. They went back to to chip and kick, chip and kick all around the ground. It was almost like they were trying to defend a 10-goal lead or whatever it was at that stage. And Hawthorne just worked themselves back into the game and kicked the next five. Um, so um, why the why that change of approach to the way they were winning the game was simply beyond me. But um, it's going to be an interesting contest because ultimately it's second versus fourth and um, both teams are well-placed to... Um, to be contenders in the final. Both teams have got aspirations, so Port are trying desperately to get into that uh, top four position, and um, and we're trying to hold on to second. So, um, yeah, this is a real eight-point game for everybody. Absolutely. Cracking um, cracking game, and, I mean, apart from the fact that I can't go and I've been thinking about it, you know, I've been looking forward to this match for months wanting to go to it. Um, it's great that we don't have to wait too long for the game. You know, what that does to the sort of my theory around loads is interesting because presumably they will have done no training pretty much this week. So super light work, um, you know, um, even if I guess it's sort of the one day, but they, if they, they will have, they're thinking if there was loads, if they were doing extra loads, it will have come to an end. The impact, hopefully, you know, if it was impacting them still on the Saturday, is it still going to be impacting on the Thursday four or five days later? I don't know. Um, hopefully not, obviously. Um, you know, but they won't have done almost no training you'd expect in terms of aerobic stuff. And one assumes then if they, if that, let's say, I'm right, and they have done some extra loads, then their strategy would have all been based around this game, being as fresh as possible for this game. So let's assume um, that they're fresh for this game and they are running on top of the ground. Um, so, you know, we give ourselves the best chance uh, of winning. We match up really well against Port. Um, and um, I think that, you know, it's interesting, George, you say that, you know, they were chipping around. They did that against Geelong and it was so strange that they did that because, you know, they needed to keep the ball moving. That's when they're most dangerous, but that plays into our hands. If the opposition are playing fast and we're, we're covering the defence, we're covering defensively, we're not allowing them to get through the centre um, corridor like we did with um, the Crows. Um you know, the quicker they go, the better for us. That's when, you know, uh, Lions lost control of that game against us when we forced them to go quick. Um, and, you know, they go, if they go quick, it just bounces back from our defence. As quick as it goes in, the quicker it goes back out down the other end. So it really suit us a quick game, um, you know, and sort of not the sort of contested um, sort of maul that we, against the Giants. So, uh, and, and I think that, defensively they've got struggles. I guess that we've got to expose that so hopefully they'll um, bring Brown back in. So you know, we won't be stretching their, their average defence if we're only scoring eight, nine goals ourselves. So um, it's super important we get some overlap and run going. Um, and I think the way they like to play will help us with that because that, that, that'll get us going. Um, and, you know, that they are so structured up around Dixon um, that, you know, Andy talked a few weeks ago in the mid-season review when 
you know, are we too predictable? Well, they they could not be more predictable the way they, you know, they look for Charlie Dixon. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who plays on him. Um, you reckon May would be the obvious one. He's the only one strong enough probably to go one-on-one with him. Um, so, you know, I think that um, our, our defensive system, but in particular our defensive back six, suits their forward line really well, um, you know, uh, I, it does promise to be a fantastic game. I, I think we've got the sort of antidote to the way they play, um, and particularly, you know, that's assuming we bring our full intense and our, our high our high pressure. But as you say, George, one of the things about being at the game actually on Saturday was a bit weird was how when they scored, how there was no sound. Um, and when we were up and about, of course, there was sound, but, you know, they'll going into a cauldron um, on Thursday night. There'll be plenty of energy there and hopefully the Ds will feed off that and be on right from the get-go. Who plays on Rosie? Do you do you put someone on him? It sounds like it's something you put a bloody cream on, isn't it, a Rosie? <laughs> <laughs> do we have a cream in our team? We could put cream on him, but we, we don't. That would be Hibbard? Hibbard could be on that. It was Pharrell who got injured for them. Yeah, not, yeah. Um, I was just yeah, going to say, Boke is not on the injury list, and I'm looking at their um, their injury update from their website, and no, he he's not there. And uh, yeah, Pharrell's yeah, it's Pharrell, and it's somewhere. a bit of a loss for him because he's an excellent kick for a, a long kick. I don't know who plays on Rosie. What do you reckon, George? I, I think we just play the team defence. You know, uh, uh, we we don't unless you've got a specific target like uh, we had with Green last week. Um, that's the exception rather than the rule that um, George, Georgiades is just as likely to produce something like I think the last time we played him he kicked five goals um, but you, you depend on your team defence covering all of these players um, uh, the Rosie will get picked up in the team defensive structure by someone like a Salem or a Hunt as a general rule but um, I don't think we need to start assigning players to um, to one in particular Um Dixon is the target. You're absolutely right, Ben Man. Their, their whole structure is about kick it to Charlie, and Charlie will bring it to ground. And, and it's, it was always the the Rosie, the Butters, the Georgiades, who were the ones who who was the Robbie Grays who were picking up all the crumbs. But it always fin- starts out with Charlie Dixon. Yeah. And one thing that it's easy to just without you know talk about the system, the defensive, all of that that stuff is all true. But the Back six now, they're so comfortable when the ball hits the ground. So we could spoil it. You back our back six in against almost any um, forward line in terms of our ability, even though, you know, as I've said before, a um, one of our weaknesses is that small defender. And, a, you know, we've been the, the medium and small from opposition score a lot of their goals. Um, but they don't really have, particularly with... Um, uh, Oh, sorry, what's his name? What's the the player out with the knee injury? The uh, uh, Robbie Gray with him out. He's like he's exactly the sort of player who troubles us big time. Um, so you know, we bring the if we can cut. Um, you know, Lever comes across, Petty comes across, and May takes um, Dixon. If we can bring that ball to ground, back our back six to work our way out, get the ball and work our way out of defence. Um, really, I, I, for me, uh, our chances will be based on how well we're running and how we how well we can get that ball moving quickly up the ground. And um, you know, I, I reckon selection is going to be really interesting. And I, I agree, George. I reckon there's every chance that um, Vandenberg will come in. Um, Goodwin loves him, 
Um, I reckon Melkton will come in and I reckon Brown will come in. Um, so, you know, that yeah. three changes, maybe that's too many. I don't know. Maybe Who comes Brown out? And... Say again. Who comes out? Well, I, I reckon, you know, Sparrow might come out um, this week. He, not, you know, he. I think he's without too much of a knock on me. He wasn't huge. Um, you know, I'd, Harms was poor, so I wouldn't break my heart to see him come out. Couple of two weeks ago, we bought Viney in and didn't, uh, as as a, you know, obviously a mid, uh, but we didn't take any mids out. Um, we took Melcham out at that at that stage, so Melcham's coming back. So um, I, I think we will lose one of the mids. Um, the other interesting one I'd like to throw up was whether Jackson stays there because Port have only got Lysette as the ruck. Uh, Charlie Dixon was doing their backup ruck. Uh, role. So, do we uh, actually need the two ruck, rucks uh, playing, particularly if we bring a Ben Brown in? No, they're not going to drop Jackson, though. There's no no chance. They're more likely not to bring in Ben Brown because of that reason. <laughs> they're going to keep him in. Um, I'll be disappointed if Ben Brown doesn't get a chance. I think. Uh, oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I think Brown Brown is an absolute certainty this week, but. Uh, yeah, the difficulty is going to be about who they drop, particularly as, as Ben Man said, uh, they've been pushing Vandenberg, um, and I think he'll be a great positive to bring into the side. But um, somebody's going to miss out. Um, uh, I suspect Sparrow's probably at the top of the list, um, and again, it's about the loading on these younger ones um, might become critical. But uh, this might be a, a rest period for him uh, that's almost enforced rather than uh, desired. Yeah, and maybe maybe Cosy. So maybe, maybe Cozzy. Cozzy comes out and Sparrow stays in and Sparrow plays as the pressure forward. Mm. Uh, he played that role in the first few games, didn't he? Mm. So, you know, um, if he's struggling, then, he, you know, if he they're not 100% confident he's he's fit and um, up to it, then he should come out. So, you know, that's I think that we shouldn't be um, afraid to drop him. Um, if they think that he's not going to give what he needs, as, as you say, George, it's going to be big crowd, big big game, eight points. Um, you've got to pick players who are right on. Maybe that's why. I mean, Vandenberg would be a tough game for to bring him back in. I, I can see him coming in, but I reckon Melksham is almost a lock because hmm. um, you know, as much as I've criticised his pressure in that game, the last four four game that was televised, his pressure was better. Uh, and we sorely lack his uh, ability to hit a target inside 50. So I saw some uh, one of the stats a week or so ago. He's still up in our, I think, top five in terms of score involvement. And um, for, from the uh, Casey game this week, I think it was Vandenberg, Melcham and Brown were all rested effectively yeah. in the second half. So uh, I think we're near, uh, certain to see those three um, certainly at the, at the top of the list this week, and uh, yeah, and maybe Vandenberg as um, uh, injury sub. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a great player to come off. You know, if you had an injury and to you know you bring you feed him meat um, for until he's ready to go, and then release him into the into the call. Work for work for T Mac. Yeah, maybe not from just eating through two and a half quarters of footy, but. <laughs> All right, boys. Anything, uh, anything else uh, before we wrap it up? What else has been happening uh, down at Demonland? Uh, nothing else that that I'm aware of. So um, yeah, I think that's about all. 
where the teams will be out tomorrow night, won't they? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah. it's, so uh, we will know well and truly by this time tomorrow night who's playing. And and you'd know more than – or, George, the um, captain's run is when? Tomorrow? Uh, I, I, I don't know. They had, they had a very light session on Monday apparently, but, um, uh, yeah, f- from – one of the Demon Landers who was there, Vandenberg, Melcham and Ben Brown weren't at that, although there's been vision um, contradictory to that, I think, on one of the television reports. Um, but I, I suspect ben, ben Brown will be in. Uh, uh, they had a, a small piece on Channel 9 tonight with um, uh, Viney and he was pumping up Ben Brown, so I think he's almost a certainty. Uh, well, there's no rain uh, predicted for Thursday night, so that's a good thing. Good. And AF in the chat room is um, saying there's rumours that Boke won't get up and my Pollyanna is the opposite to the MFCSS is that I um, choose to believe that rumour. So (laughs) Boke isn't going to be playing. Uh, Robbie Gray's out. Um, Yeah, they've they've got nothing. All right. Well, let's hope so. We have to... (laughs) We have to take any injuries to to get over the line. I'll I'll take it. (laughs) Don't usually so like to do that. I'll leave you with a, a question for both of you. The, um, I'm on top of a number of footy tipping down at my golf club. I'm on uh, top of 100 of us. So I'm, I'm flying and footy tipping. Um, not coincidentally, Melbourne are flying as well. So. <laughs> but do I tip Melbourne this week? Nah. Well, you're asking the wrong. You're asking the wrong person, George. I'll, I'll I'll go and ask my wife. She's on top of our footy tipping competition. Okay, <laughs> and, and and the uh, the good thing is she has no interest whatsoever in football. Well, right. I, I'm leading my footy tipping competition that I have with my mates, and I would be absolutely flying. I'd be multiple picks ahead uh, if I had more confidence in my own team. Because <laughs> and as well the the three times I picked them well I've picked them more than three times but three of the times I picked them this year we've lost so <laughs> right, so you're not picking us well I'm, when I'm picking you didn't even have time to think about that question before you said no when I'm picking them uh, when I'm picking us we don't win when I don't pick us we do win so I'm happy okay, not so to pick can us. you not pick oh, us then? yeah well that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm. I, look, for me, if I if, if I don't pick us and we win, I, I don't care. That 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 doesn't matter. I don't care about the footy tip. Uh, and George, do we win? Uh, I think I think we will win because uh, because uh, we'll be forced into um, cranking ourselves into gear right from the very start. Um, and and there's too much at stake in this case. So um, yeah, I, I think this will be a cracking game, and and we will play so much better than what we have in the last, certainly the last two games. And I'm not sure yet. I'm really on the fence, and I'm trying to be as objective as possible. And putting my objective hat on, I think we're a better footy team than men. So despite their home ground advantage, uh, I think that we've got the perfect game plan um, for Port Adelaide. Um, I reckon they're a bit flaky, um, and uh, I think we'll win. All right. But still sitting on the fence. <laughs> so I'll let you know how I go next week. All right, fantastic. Well, we will be back next week. I'm not sure what day. We might do it earlier in the earlier in the week, considering it's the Thursday game. Um, but we'll see. Um, let's go, those demons. Go, red legs. <laughs> <laughs>